And for me, it's about trying to make the world a better place on, on some element, whether it's making a stranger smile or whether it's in my job working at a municipality, trying to make processes better or help influence business decisions and those types of things. One of the goals of the Ikigai project is to uncover the principles of what living a life with Ikigai or a sense of purpose actually looks like. And we're just about halfway through season one right now, and I'm already getting the sense that there's a theme for a lot of my guests in terms of how they pursue Ikigai, and it's contributing to others, uh, having a sense that you're making an impact in the world. Um, and today's guest is, is Krista Campbell, and, and Krista is somebody who's always been thinking very thoughtfully about what it means to do work that has impact and meaning. She's currently the finance lead at the city of Calgary. Her and I talk about her childhood, her early career experience of choosing accounting over consulting, spending time in China to teach and discover more of what she wanted to do in life. And we, of course, talk a little bit about Ikigai and what it means to her today. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Krista Campbell. Krista, thanks for jumping on to the Ikigai project. My pleasure. I look forward to it. I, I've been looking forward to this conversation as well um, because we've known each other for a while. Um, we spent a few years together in university when our years overlapped and um, I always admired you as somebody who had her shit together and knew where she was going with her life. And uh, it was when you were you were the president of the, um, the Commerce Society that we were part of that I met you and uh, had a lot of respect for how you you know handled yourself and who you were. So um, you know I'm excited that we had to have this conversation, hear a little bit about you know your ikigai story and um, unpack some of the lessons and other people will really enjoy listening to. Thank you very much for that kind introduction. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 true. It's true. Um, so just want to get a sense of, you know, uh, kind of the origin story of Krista. Um, you know, tell us a little bit about what kind of kid were you growing up? Um, what kind of interests did you have? Uh, you know, what, what were you into as a, as a child? Um, you know what? I was a pretty outspoken child from a young age. I remember I once got dropped off at the wrong house by my daycare and wouldn't get out of the car because I told him it wasn't my house. So that's probably from about the age of three. I remember my brother used to always make me order the pizza when it was time to order pizza and those types of things. Mm -hmm. um, but fundamentally, I um, think I lived a pretty normal childhood. I loved playing baseball and riding bikes and doing that kind of stuff. Um, I think I really grew more into myself, though, as I got older. Um, and I just became more comfortable and confident with who I was and... Actually, probably as I had more purpose in my life, I sort of began to appreciate new and different things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Was there um, was there anything that uh, you know you were especially interested in as a, as a kid that you kind of look back and think, huh? Actually, I, I am still interested in that, or, or anything that kind of has carried over for you even to this day. It's a really interesting question because. I think in reality, a lot of what I was like when I was a kid um, has changed. Like we were super, super, super into sports as a family. And now I still enjoy watching sports with my family, but don't do a whole lot of it on my own or uh, in my current life away from them. Um, 
I played baseball. I, I still played baseball a bit as I grew older, but I tend to sort of switch my focus more to the mountains and nature, as I like to refer to it. Um, one thing, though, that I do always remember is I've always liked um, looking after other like children and whatnot, whether it was younger cousins or what have you. And I babysat a ton when I was in my teens. And to this day, I think when I see my friends with their kids or my nieces and nephews, I often ignore the adults until I've given the children a full welcome. So I guess that's sort of something that has carried through. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm getting a bit of a theme of the responsible, um, the responsible person in the group. Uh, in the sense that, you know, you mentioned you would order the pizza for, for the group, you would be the one, you know, just making sure everybody was uh, doing okay. Um, do, do you have a sense of where that came from? What, you know, what made you precocious in that way around being the responsible one? Hmm. I never really thought of it in that way, but I think you're I bang on. Putting, I, mean, I might be putting my uh, words in your mouth here. So no, no, but it's very accurate. As I reflect back, it's definitely accurate. In terms of that responsibility, um, I think I was a relatively serious child and I always sort of analyzed things and was probably a little bit risk averse. Um, and I think I had a pretty big conscience. That's another thing I definitely remember. I remember I used to tell on myself when I was a kid um, <laughs> if I'd done something wrong. I don't know if it's because I thought it I was I thought it would get me out of the punishment. I don't think that was actually the case. I usually could just feel the guilt and whatnot. And once I told on myself, I would feel better. So it worked out though, because like I said, I often wouldn't get punished for it as a result because they could tell I was torturing myself enough. But yeah, I don't know if it just comes down to a really strong conscience and wanting things to work out as best as possible um that i sort of stepped into that role or just didn't have a fear of judgment or um a fear of leading Mm -hmm. um so you mentioned that you know the formative years in your life were were in your your school years um tell me a little bit about what school was like for you Um, I definitely didn't always love school. I think I became much more of a social creature and became much more confident as I got older. Um, It's not that I didn't get along with people. I think I just didn't connect with people as well as I would have um, or as well as I do now. Um, When I was quite young, I remember I had like one best friend that I basically did everything with and then I moved and that sort of shocked my world a little bit. Um, and moving to a small town at that, it's quite interesting, the dynamics that are there. And then moving back to a city when you're 12, 13, um, definitely the dynamic in school when you're the new person is a little bit different as well. Um, and then in high school, I really sort of threw myself into work. I loved working at McDonald's, so I worked there a lot and I babysat a lot after school. Um, I definitely had friends, but there, I just didn't feel like I connected with them the same way. But when I got to university, um, I went to Queens and I don't know if it was the nature of the wonderful people there that I had met, but I feel like it helped me value friendship in a different way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of us can relate to the challenges of, you know, fitting in in middle and high school. For you, what what made it tough for you to connect with others? was there anything in particular that was a bit of a barrier for you? Um, I think honestly, 
I was a pretty mature kid. So I think I was just always planning or thinking more out in the longer term versus when I think when kids are younger, it's often more short-term thinking that people have, understandably. Um, So I think that was probably an element of it. Um, And I I also knew that like I wanted to go to university and I knew I wanted to go to a good school and I knew education was important. And so I always um, also put a lot of time and energy and effort into into my studies. Um, but yeah, I think it was just, yeah, I felt like, not that I am definitely not saying I was better. I think I, I was just very different in terms of the time horizon I was, I was sort of looking at and thinking about. Um, and I think that made it harder for me to relate to some of the priorities of my fellow students. Um, so let's, let's, Fast forward into um, graduating high school, into university. Um, tell me a little bit about what you studied. Um, you mentioned Queens. Uh, you know what? What? What about the experience at at Queens really um, stood out for you? Good question. Um, so I studied commerce business um, at Queens. It was a wonderful program that was quite small, about two hundred people a year at the time, um, and it just felt like a really close knit community. Um, my brother wasn't there, but I definitely felt at home and comfortable there. And like I said, that was sort of when I just met all these really, really awesome people who seemed to have more similar like vision and goals, um, to what I had. And I just found I was able to connect with a lot of people from a lot of different groups that ended up forming, um, and was really excited to get involved in the various opportunities they had to give back to fellow students or to the community, um, which ultimately resulted in me being more involved in student government. So from your experience in the the commerce program, tell me a little bit about what you ended up deciding to specialize in. Yep, so I was debating between being an accountant and a consultant. I thought I would get my CA designation at the time, now CPA, um, because it would be a good backup plan. I guess that responsible or risk aversion sort of comes out in funny ways. Um, And fundamentally, like I think done right, um, you're not just a boring accountant doing taxes or those types of things. You're actually quite involved in the business and get to make financial impact and decisions and greater strategic decisions as well. So... Yeah, so that's sort of what brought me down the accounting path was that um, process and, I guess, credibility with getting your designation and figuring it would open a lot of doors. Actually, I'm curious. Um, so you had the choice between consulting and, and accounting. Obviously, accounting won out, but how, how close was it? How close were you going into consulting? And, and what, yeah, well, how did the scales weigh between the two? Was it pretty close or you know, was it clear that accounting made the most sense for you? Um, well, many people have told me I'm not a typical accountant, I think, because I have a little bit more enthusiasm than most accountants. Um, but yeah, it was, I think for me, it came down to accounting was short term painful in terms of potentially doing some work that you wouldn't love doing and also going through the process of getting a designation. Um, but then you'd have those credentials that you could apply and could, again, open more doors for you um, versus consulting allowed you to jump into cooler things more quickly. 
um, and perhaps learn from wonderful mentors and whatnot. But in terms of transferability of skills or um, safety net or what have you, I think that's where I figured I might as well go with plan B of getting my accounting designation, thinking I could always go into consulting later versus it would be tougher if I went the other way around. So um, after my first year of being a summer student, I really didn't love accounting. So that's when the decision got quite a bit harder. Um, but working with um, accountants that I knew both at a big firm and at a small firm, I knew that the long-term investment would probably be worth it. Mm -hmm. how, how did you manage... Yeah, how did you manage the balance in, in making the right decision? I guess, you know, what was the conversation you were having with yourself or with others that made it really clear that um, accounting was the right choice for you? Because it sounds like it's, it's a very logical choice that you made. Um, but at this point, did, did kind of your emotions or what you really wanted to do factor into this decision? Or was it purely, hey, this is a calculated decision. This makes sense for me to go into this route. Uh, and go through the process, and then I'll have some more choice. How, how did emotions play into this decision? Um, actually, it's quite interesting that you asked that because, again, just reflecting while you're, you're chatting as well, um, my dad actually wanted to be an accountant, or he had a choice between an accountant and working for a big bank, and he didn't choose to be an accountant, and I think he may have not regretted but wondered if he had a chosen to be an accountant, what his life would look like. Um, so perhaps that emotionally or subconsciously was um, in my head at times. Um, and then I actually have to laugh because as logical and rational as I appear to be, there was a point in February or March uh, in the middle of busy season where I really wondered what the heck I was doing with my life and was very tempted to change paths, not because I couldn't do it or because I wasn't capable, but because I wasn't happy. Um, and that's sort of something that stuck with me. But ultimately, I'd promised a friend that I would study with her. And so I still credit her to this day with me getting my accounting designation, because if it weren't for her, I'm not sure I would have continued because I had enough at that point. Was that during university or was that during a, uh, in, in your first job, uh, when that when was within the first year and during the like exam process and everything okay. more so busy season though. Got, okay. So the first year of, uh, after, of the job of the job. Okay. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Middle of winter, I guess <laughs> going through first Long year hours. Of, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I know a lot of um, you know accountant friends, and I I just can't reach them for a certain period of time during typically you know audit season. Um, what and you know I'm sure that's still not new for you, still being in the finance world. Um, what what helps uh, for you know what, what helped you get through those darker days and hours um, when feels like the end is not in sight i think fundamentally people so working with good people getting the support or encouragement at various points when you need it um i guess knowing that there is an end in sight to some extent um and also trying to make the work as enjoyable as possible 
So if you know there's certain aspects of the role or the work that you don't like, maybe doing that first to then save the best part for later on in the day. Because I, I definitely don't have an aversion to hard work or long hours. I think it's more so just really connecting with the why and having the passion to to want to pursue or finish whatever you're working on. Um, and that's why I really questioned whether I wanted to stay in it because the work itself I I didn't love. Um and I've definitely since worked in other positions where I've worked equally as long hours, but the the degree of impact or the um, interest in the project, uh, I found a bit more motivating and sustaining. But mm-hmm. at the time, it was more so connecting with good people, making sure you had fun things to do on the weekends or the wee hours of the night when you did have some time. Um and again, taking advantage or enjoying every opportunity. Like I, I was on a, I had to fly to Phoenix for work for a week in the middle of busy season, and I ended up changing my flight while I was down there so I could have one day to go to the Grand Canyon just so that I could explore and do something new and different and uh, sort of make it worthwhile, sort of speak. Yeah, I, I can tell a couple of things here that will be useful around finding good people to work with and in, find interesting projects. How do you do that? And I I think this is relatable for a lot of people who are searching for a new job, um, looking for the right fit for them in their careers. Uh, I think those are really, you know, important elements of, uh, of a, you know, fulfilling career. How have you started to, or if you have identifying, you know, the places where they have the right people and the interesting projects and the meaning that you're looking for? Well, I've worked at five or six different places, most places for two years. And then at that point, I would sort of assess and realize it sort of didn't check all those boxes that I had wanted. Um, I think, especially in this day and age, you can't be afraid to make some changes. I think you need to trust your gut and also um, make sure that you're treated fairly and appropriately. I say that because I had one absolutely horrific boss um, who I can't even, I feel like the textbooks couldn't even write like a, a worse situation for, for that particular individual or how she treated and behaved and operated. Um, but again, like, again, focusing on the positive and learning from it. So I learned things I definitely never wanted to do. Um, I found it or learned, like, I know you always have to deal with some difficult people. So, uh, I guess learning to see how you can get them to, treat you differently or to build more trust or to do those types of things. Um, but also not being afraid to sort of call a spade a spade, not to their face necessarily. But, um, I knew after trying for a year that it wasn't a good fit. And I actually spoke to the person who had hired me about switching roles to work with somebody different. Cause I had sort of admired their skill set and their approach to things and whatnot. So, um, I think, yeah, one is in terms of the people, once you find them, hold on tight um, and don't be afraid to follow someone somewhere if it works out and there's the right opportunity and those types of things. But I think it also goes to um, taking the time to get to better understand people because sometimes what you see on the surface or you pick up in meetings or in emails or what have you can be very different than um what you may understand once you get to know people better. So I don't know if I just do that and therefore then have a positive impression 
and um, connect with people in different ways that because I'm trying to. Um, but I think it normally comes down to like morals, values, how people respect and interact with others, people's willingness to, to work hard, people's willingness to adapt and try and do things differently. And those tend to be the people that I align more with, like personality aside. I think if those things are, if those things exist in the person that you're working with or working for, um, that tends to help me be more interested and engaged. And I think fundamentally finding out the type of people that you like to work with and or how to find the best in people so that you enjoy working with all or most people that you work with um, can be quite helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great advice. Um, so going back to um, where where you are now, which is kind of early um, in the story, at least the early career in accounting, um, you know, kind of figuring out the, the ropes. Um, at some point, though, you actually spend uh, a year, I think, um, in China. Tell, tell me the story about uh, going to China and, and, and how you decided to make that big decision. Sure. Um, so as I mentioned, accounting was always a plan B for me. Still haven't quite figured out plan A, but um, with that, I worked at a large accounting firm for an, for a year and a bit after writing the UFI, which was the exam. I realized I really wanted to work with smaller clients where you could help them more, which is sort of more consistent with um, what happens in the or what, what the situation is in the cases that you write. So I moved to a smaller firm um, to see if I would enjoy sort of the atmosphere and perspective and engagement and impact with it with um with businesses more which i definitely did i also got to learn sort of more than audit which i greatly appreciated um but after i got my ca designation i definitely was looking for an opportunity to reflect and to pause um and i think we definitely don't do that enough these days it's so hard sometimes in the busy world that we live in and with all the commitments and whatnot that we make. Um, but I was just sort of keeping my ears and eyes out for opportunities and had a friend who was teaching in China. So I thought some more about it, had it in my head, sort of thought it was like a far off dream kind of thing. But um, I didn't go on exchange in university because of all those extracurricular commitments. And so I really wanted to go somewhere where I didn't know anybody or I knew one person didn't know the language, would be put outside my comfort zone, would be pushed and challenged in different ways, and would also get to explore whether I wanted to be a professor. So I taught business communications for a semester in China. Um, again, it ended up being pretty easy in terms of the interview process because they were often looking for um, younger, more passionate teachers. Um, so that worked out. I also had taught um, accounting at a local college, which had given me the teaching experience. Um, and so, yeah, I sort of wrestled with, you know, was this the right decision? Is this the right thing to do career-wise? So on and so forth. But fundamentally, because I wasn't loving, like jumping into bed, loving my job, I never hated it, but jumping into bed, loving my job. Um, and because I thought maybe I had this other pursuit that would be of interest in terms of teaching, that I would, I might as well go and try it out. And 
I actually went and resigned, but I was really lucky and they asked if I wanted a leave of absence. So back to the safety net that gave me that sort of safety net of knowing that I had a job to come back to, I guess it's probably also good because then it made sure I came back. But, um, yeah, I think thinking through that process, it was, it almost became a no brainer as much as there were considerations and trade-offs and whatnot. I knew that I'd worked pretty hard from the age of 12 when I was babysitting all after school and working at McDonald's at 15 and whatnot that I, I wanted a break to go and explore and figure out what I really wanted to do. Um, so from that experience that uh, you had, what sort of lessons came for you? What, what did you learn about yourself or um, the world? What, what are you know, one or two things that you've, you've taken from that experience? I truly think that trip changed my life. So I will try to summarize it in one or two. Um, I think fundamentally being in a place where you don't know anyone or you know one person who had like a full life there, so kind of nobody, um, and not understanding the language and those types of things, it really made me challenge and question why I cared about what other people thought. Um, I like to think that I didn't care that much about what other people thought, but it was in a communist country where there's lots of different controls in place. I had never felt freer. Um, Freer in the sense of, you know, I had my own schedule. I could do what I want when I wanted because there was no family obligations or other friend obligations. I could do whatever activities I wanted because it wasn't, Um, like at home where the expectation was you go drinking or for dinner or what have you. Um, it was, it offered such a unique, um, well, China has such a unique landscape across its massive country that I just wanted to see as much of it as I could. Um, and yeah, so I think it really taught me to, I guess, appreciate myself more and be more confident, even though I didn't think I was not a confident person, but more confident in who I was and to let go of societal norms that I felt are more forced upon you. Um, So I think that was a big piece for me. Um, And I think the other big lesson was when I went there, when I wanted to figure out whether I wanted to be a professor or not, And then two, um, if not, I wanted to figure out what I wanted to do with my life because I still thought I should be able to figure that out and should have it figured out and those types of things for all those people at home who thought I had my shit together. (laughs) Um, Peter, I'm referring Mm -hmm. to you. Mm -hmm. Just Um, So um, I think like I still remember when I got to China, I thought my students were going to speak English well, which they they definitely didn't. So I learned to speak slower. So that was one other big lesson I learned. Um, I also, like, I would literally sit at a desk at some point in the first couple of weeks, especially, you know, researching and doing all these self-assessment quizzes and really trying to figure out what it was that I was passionate about and wanted to do. Um And then I just realized, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to figure this out sitting at a desk. I'm wasting my time. Like, I don't even know all of the different opportunities that exist out there. And by trying to figure it out, you're almost saying no to a lot of other things. 
And again, depending upon what you want or if you're passionate about things or whatever else, it's not necessarily a bad thing. But for me, I knew that I didn't have sort of the light lit under me on anything in particular. And I wasn't as passionate about some of those other things as I'd hoped. And just back to the Commerce Society days, I remember joking afterwards that if I could be the Commerce Society president, and that was actually a job and I could do that forever. Like, I just loved that job and that role because of the environment that you're in and the opportunity to support and help others. Um, so yeah, when I was trying to figure out my life in China, I definitely didn't come up with anything that got me as excited as, as that role that I had when I was in Kingston. Um, so I think I, you know, it was two or three weeks in and I just decided, you know what, I'm not going to waste my time and the opportunity over here trying to figure out what I want to, to be or what I want to do. I'd come up with a mediator, but fundamentally I didn't want the risk of having my own business at the time. And I also wasn't sure that more schooling was what I desired at that point either. Um, so yeah, I think just like letting go of that expectation of myself um, or other or expectations that I put on myself from others at home and just, you know, instead having a very different perspective of trying to take advantage of every opportunity there was to do something. So I would go away every three day weekend I had, which was every weekend. Um, I flew somewhere every second weekend. I tried things I'd never tried. I hiked, I rock climbed, I did all sorts of different things. And that's where I actually fell in love with the mountains and nature of all places in a pretty smoggy country where if you saw blue skies, it was called the blue sky day because you didn't see them very often. Mm. Um, well, it, it sounds like this was a hugely transformative experience for you. Um, you know, not only did it give you some more clarity on what you wanted, but also things about what you didn't want. Um, and I particularly, uh, enjoyed you talking about how you shed you know the expectations from other people and allowed you to kind of hear your own voice more clearly maybe for the first time in a while um was there was there a, uh, a moment or you know an experience you had that allowed you to open that up or you know what what gave you that that kind of confidence in yourself Honestly, I think it was because I knew I was never going to see any of the people other than maybe the other teachers again. Um, so, and I knew that I had also never met them, so they didn't have any expectations of me or on me. Um, and I couldn't communicate very well because I learned about a hundred Mandarin words over the four and a half months I was there. Um, so yeah, I think like knowing that I couldn't necessarily get my message across anyhow, knowing that I couldn't understand anyway, I just thought, you know what, that just means I can be me and people can take me or people can leave me. Like I try to be a nice person and do the right thing. So it shouldn't get me into any trouble. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I think it was, I think it actually had more to do with the the people not having expectations than the not knowing people um, or not not looking to build significant relationships because I knew I was only over there for a short period of time. Um, but yeah, I think that's what really allowed me to, to think differently. I think it probably was more of a gradual thing. There wasn't one moment in time mm -hmm. that I remember that happening. Um, 
yeah, it was just, I don't know, maybe I felt like a kid again, just sort of in a different way, like wandering around, traipsing around and just, you know, taking everything in and taking pictures and enjoying the new experiences and the new learnings. Yeah. Um, you know, the, this podcast is about, uh, pursuing your ikigai or, or I, I like to say crafting your ikigai because I think we all, you know, put in the emotional labor and put in the courage to craft meaning out of our lives. Um, and, you know, I, I can tell uh, in many ways that's what you've done and, and continue to do. Um, curious to know, you know, what does Ikigai mean to you? So I think when I looked at your first sort of description, it's sort of what gets you out of bed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you also talked about life purpose and whatnot, but I, I really sort of liked the what gets you out of bed aspect of things because that's a, a daily piece. Um, and for me, it's about trying to make the world a better place on on some element, whether it's making a stranger smile or whether it's in my job working at a municipality, trying to make processes better or help influence business decisions and those types of things. But mm-hmm. I know that's what... Um, what really gets me going obviously on the weekends it's a bit more about what adventure can we get up to and what can we explore and and i I think you're right curiosity is something that my mind definitely appreciates um so yeah to me it's about like what impact can you have are you living to your fullest in terms of trying to have those impacts on a regular basis and again everything from work to friends to strangers um and just appreciating if and when you're in those situations where you can can do those things mm-hmm. um, and also learning and discovering new things. Right. So again, that's where I think the mountains and the travel and those types of things come into play for me. Yeah. Is there anything that you that you found helpful in helping you guide you towards your Ikigai or, you know, when you when you know you're going in the right direction? Hmm. I think one, you definitely have to have patience with yourself. Uh, like I said, I sat down at that desk in China trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. I remember I had a year, my goal was to be, I was usually quite happy, but it was just to like pursue happiness in terms of trying different things and doing things that I enjoyed. Um, it didn't have to be about career or, or sort of other, other goals. Um, and I think it's really about listening to yourself, finding what you get joy out of, finding what increases your energy levels, finding out or paying attention to the things that you're most enthusiastic about. Um, And then over time, sort of piecing those together. Um, And also, like trusting your gut, like I knew after I worked four or five jobs for two hours, two years apiece, that something was missing. And to me, that was the greater good aspect of things. And so going to work for municipality, not all perfect every day by any stretch of the imagination but that purpose and commitment to trying to have an impact um is something that really resonates with me and those days i have bad days i remind myself why i'm there and what it is that i'm trying to accomplish and work towards um and i think just being kind to yourself that things might not always work out the way that you want or the way that you expect um but having the maturity to be kind to yourself um, and focus on the small wins and the small steps in the right direction. Mm-hmm. If, um, if you could give advice to your, uh, 20 year old self, 
Um, what advice would you give to, to that version of you? I think it would really be to, to keep an open mind, to try and explore new and different things, um, to not be afraid of the unknown or of failing, um, and really doing what you want is, and, and you don't have to think 20 years out. I think, I mean, I don't regret some of the decisions or the hard work or the savings or whatever that I had when I was younger, but at the same time, um, you have to live each day and enjoy each day um, while being reasonable with sort of how you do that. But fundamentally, if you're not happy, try different things or explore different things or talk to different people to to help figure out um, what is important to you and what does give you that, that joy or that jolt. And I know, Peter, with you, we've done this for, for years, years and years and years. And some days I talked and some days you've talked, right, or spoke. Um, because you need friends at different times and friends need each other at different times and just having the ear and listening to perspectives and, and challenging in a helpful and supportive way. Um, I think don't be afraid to do that. And you don't have to have all the answers. Life is a journey, not a destination, not to, you know, quote that famous quote, but um, yeah, like even when things aren't as great as they could be really, thinking about what positives are coming out of it and reaching out to people that, you know, love and support you to, to help you through those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I always find, um, conversations with you really helpful and, and clarifying. And I think that's, um, that's the real benefit of having people, um, in your life that can just give you the space to work things out. Um, cause there's just not a lot of opportunities for us to kind of, deposit what's in our head and actually put it out into the the world to see if it actually holds um uh you know holds true and uh you know i think any any all of us need need good people around us that can just hold the space and not necessarily to give advice but just allow us to work through things um so i always appreciate you being there for me for that um a couple oh, more questions right back at you yeah. Um, a couple more questions as we wrap up. Um, what, so what's next for you? Um, tell us a little bit about where you're at right now and, and what are you working on now that you're excited about? Or maybe That's in the really future, it doesn't necessarily have to be <laughs> right now, but you know, something that you're perhaps looking to, to work on, uh, as you continue to craft your Ikigai. Yeah, I think, again, it's one of those things that throughout various stages of life, um, you have these points where you know what you want and you work towards it, or you think you maybe know what you want or you explore or, or those types of things. Um, and I feel like I'm back in a stage where I need to push myself and explore some more. Um, so I've worked in municipality for just over five years, um, have definitely enjoyed my time, but also wonder what else I'm capable of and if there's things I'm more passionate about that could could I guess help people in a in a different way um so currently I'm considering potentially doing my MBA more so just for the process and the journey of learning not really for the letters um although I think with education inflation it may be required at some point but uh, required for certain positions I guess I should say um, and I think you can never, you never regret time spent learning. Um, so that's sort of something that I'm 
looking at right now just because um, I want to make sure that I continue to enjoy work as much as I did um, at a point in time when I was working for the city and just sort of figuring out what that that might be. And then I always have trips and travels on the go and um, just continuing to be a big part of my nieces and nephews' lives is something that's critical to me as well. Great. Um, final question. Uh, what what resources, tools, um, books have you found the most useful that you would recommend to to people who might be curious about you know how you've how you've gone about making decisions and figuring things out in your life? So I definitely have read a lot of, I call them self-help books. And that's not what they're actually called. They're called business books or self-reflection books or whatever else you want to call them. Um, but I think something that I've actually really enjoyed lately is the Calm app. Um, I love doing their daily 10-minute meditations, which is something very different than what I've done in the past. Um, I find because I'm usually busy, I definitely, my brain's always going. And so the challenge to try to be thoughtful and quieter and um, more aware and mindful of the things that you're doing um, to be helpful. And I, I usually find at the end of each of those sessions, they have a two or three minute summary of whatever it may be. It was empathy last night. I don't recall offhand what it was the day before, but I just find it really leaves you with a way of thinking about things sort of differently or challenging your expectations or your, your thinking about things. Um, and again, I think it really reinforces being patient and kind to yourself. Um, for all the other books that I've read, I think fundamentally a lot of them say a lot of the same things, just in different words. And my short term, well, my memory, I don't think is wonderful. So I think that's where, you know, if you're reading those books, it's oftentimes the, the same lessons that I'm sort of learning or seeing. So um, yeah, I think I'm trying to remember the name of the book that I, that I read quite some time ago now about the professor who is passing away. Oh, last, the last lecture. Like I find books like that, that is sort of short, sweet reminders of, um, perhaps challenging what you want to prioritize or how you want to live your life. I find those kind of books really helpful, um, to sort of again, put your, your mind in the thought process of, of exploring what you want to do and what impact you want to have while you're here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I remember reading that book and, uh, definitely striking a chord for me. Um, so Krista, this was really helpful and I really appreciate you going into kind of the very beginnings of, um, you know, your journey and into your school years and your experience in China. Um, I, I really got a lot out of the, what, what's Ikigai mean to you and, and your perspective on it. Um, I also find what's really cool about our conversation is how your plan B turned out to be your plan A. And I think there's something really wise about that in the sense that, you know, I think a lot of us expect life to turn out a certain way when it's not, you know, most, uh, most likely it's going to turn out in a different path or permutation because that's just how life goes. Um, and, you know, being able to 
understand that and accept that and enjoy that process is such a valuable um, human trait and ability, I think. And um, I think the way that, you know, your career has shaped out and how you've focused your skills and um, your strengths into a role that you feel like is contributing to society and it is, um, is, is great. And I think really speaks strongly to what Ikigai is all about, um, which is a combination of what brings meaning in your life, what creates impact to others, um, and what fulfills you. So, uh, you know, I really appreciate the conversation, uh, and I'm sure others will, who are listening to this, um, any last words, anything else that you like to share before we wrap up? No, just thank you for uh, for reaching out to me. It was fun to, I guess, dig into my past. I probably wasn't as eloquent as I could be just because I haven't thought about some things like from from those days in quite some time. But it's been uh, a, a very helpful conversation for me too, just especially during this time where I'm also trying to, you know, further challenge and figure out what I want to do next. So thank you. Thanks so much for listening. Special thank you to Hugh for the theme music. You can check them out at herehue.bandcamp.com. If you'd like to learn more about the Ikigai Project, you can check out my weekly blog at ikigai.blog. And that's it for now. Take good care, everyone.